You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is your host, Stephen Roach. This is Season 2, Episode 11, Part 2 of my conversation with Josh Girls on vocation and calling. To laugh and dance and safety among the shimmering light and the shade of the trees. Steal a bite and paradise lost. With dark and hearts, we didn't count the cars. Forgot all we left behind. I know a lot of your songs obviously deal with spiritual themes, but the thing that I love about your lyrics and the thing that I love about your songs is that the spiritual components of your lyrics play out in the grit of everyday life. And what I mean by that is like whether you're singing about your marriage or whether you're singing about wrestling with doubts or whether you're telling a story about someone else's life, your lyrics paint this picture of God in the midst of it all. Yeah which I love. It's got it's got graffiti to it. You know, it's got that street feeling to it and um it's real I just wanted to say it's really refreshing to hear that perspective on spirituality and the everyday life coming together, especially when a lot of times in the culture at large if you miss if you mention music with a Christian element, you immediately think of like this detached sentimentality you know yeah. or this uh th- this music with overused metaphors and generalizations breaking the chains and stuff like that that you know yeah. but but i'm curious to know a little bit about your process with your lyric writing and what moves you to write with that raw honesty that that you've come to be known for hmm. well I think early on, and it's still a driving force for me, is I want to make the music that I've been longing to hear, which I think is a valid motivation, you know? Yeah. Like, there's music that I want to hear, and that married to the big story, you know, the biblical narrative Mm -hmm. because man i'm like i came to faith as like a 20 year old so there's this sense that it was i was awestruck and like man i was t-boned by the holy spirit you know (laughs) like i didn't want to come in and it smashed me you know and showed me Mm -hmm. reality like a matrix was so much different than (laughs) what i thought it was you know and i think for several years that Oh man, the re- the reality of the mm-hmm. Lord was so intense. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't hearing a ton of music that really spoke into that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. man, yeah. like this life that I've been living that I'm actually passionate about. I love art and like skateboarding and whatever the cultural things were that I was into. Like he's He's not unconcerned with all of that. He's in the midst of it, you know? So there was mm-hmm. that sense, if you want to call it incarnation, of like, mm-hmm. okay, man, I like reading these words that are 2,000 years old, they're making me weep. How do we now, like, how do I translate those into my life? Which really, yeah. I think, is incarnational art. There's incarnational ways of living. If you're not an artist, how do we take these realities and translate them into our life? Like, what does this parable mean in my time mm-hmm. for me? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so I think that's always been a driving force with the songs is, 
okay, I'm learning this deep spiritual lesson, or this scripture that I've read a thousand times all of a sudden just came alive. Why did it come alive? Well, because I ne- there was a need in my life that like that scripture found, it was like the perfect keyhole into that need in my life, and it opened it up, and that word became alive to me. And so Mm -hmm. then as an artist, I can choose to sing those words verbatim, which sometimes there's a place for that, singing a psalm verbatim. But Mm -hmm. we all know there are times where we've heard a thing so many times, like reading it a thousand times and not fully getting it. Mm -hmm. I think that's why God creates some of us to be creators, is he's like, okay, I've given you the gift of taking this thing. I just opened it up to you. Now I want you to translate that into your culture, into your peer group, into your time. And that's the incarnation for us, you know? Mm -hmm. There are times that I know I've been successful. There are times I know that I haven't, you know? But Mm -hmm. I think that is a driving force, is like how do we treat his truth honorably, not compromising, but translating it into our time and space, you know? In many ways, I've viewed songs increasingly and sort of if you want to call them like a parabolic nature Mm -hmm. the lord with his parables was talking about things that were contextual to his time that everyone understood if you want to say the earthiness the grittiness of his Mm -hmm. time he's talking about like planting trees and harvesting and mustard seeds and kneading dough and man like hebrew life in the turn of the century you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. in his time period and i think for us there's that there's that similar call to like okay so there's this spiritual truth that is eternal <laughs> eternal right. and we'll just keep opening up for eternity but how do we bring that into a storyline that's understood you know yeah. into a drama that is understood how does that connect with the crisis of our time because mm-hmm. it's made to connect but sometimes i think for whatever reason he calls upon us to actually make that connection and voice the connection so others can understand the connection between those two things right. and often i think it's through simple stories man where it's yeah. like i've often said it's almost like viewing reality through a gospel lens which is what happened to me when i came to faith like reality didn't change but now I have this new lens through which I'm viewing everything, you know? Mm. And so I think, yeah, I think powerful art isn't necessarily changing reality or completely revolutionizing everyone's worldview, mm. but it's actually yeah. like giving people a perspective of what's happening that is like good and true and helpful, you know? Yeah, that's good. You know, a lot of times it can seem like we're trying to answer questions that no one is asking. You know what I mean? And I guess what I mean is like, as an artist of faith or as a, as a Christian artist, there's an expectation to always provide the answer. You know, you can you can talk about this difficulty you went through, but we got to clinch the deal. We got to bring it home. We got to give the answer, and and I know ultimately, you know, um, as Christians, we do believe Jesus is the the culmination. Jesus is the answer, you know, the relationship with Him. But the artist's role is to help people know what questions we should be asking. Yeah. 
rather than just providing these answers. And, and so I think it would almost seem that providing answers within your lyrics or art can, can be a qualifying characteristic of why somebody would characterize it as yeah. Christian music. Because a lot of people deal with, with faith and spiritual topics that aren't necessarily coming from a Christian worldview. Yeah. But when I look at, say, Psalm 88, the last line is basically, you know, I'm all alone, where are you, God? Yeah. End of story. You know, there, there are these, and so it ends with a question rather than an answer. And I think my question for you is, do you feel compelled as a, as a believer in Jesus to provide answers through your music? Does it have to lead somewhere? Or do you feel okay just compelling people to ask the questions or to wrestle through things and come into their own conclusions? I think my answer would be, it depends on which song I'm writing. There are times yeah. where I feel, I do feel compelled to sort of pull out the the sword, if you will. Like this <laughs> is like the word. This is true, and this is going to go yeah. against. This is going to be countercultural to the culture I live in. Like saying, right. like this is a true thing. Therefore, there are false things. You know, <laughs> this is a true statement. Yes. Man, in this wishy-washy time, living in Portland, Oregon, where like yeah. sort of the slogan is everyone just be nice, coexist, mm. bumper sticker, right. you know, like hyper-liberal, but strangely enough, very, very opposed to someone who would just sort of take a stand for like, no, I, I really mm -hmm. believe this this particular thing is true. Yeah. That's frowned upon. That's not acceptable, yeah. you know? Wow. Um so I do. Sometimes there's a compulsion to be like, you know, this is, some people are not going to like this, you know? Yeah. Like, there are going to be people yeah. who write this off if I say this, but I feel like I'm supposed to say it. Intuitively, mm -hmm. it will emasculate this song if I don't take it here, you know? Mm. But then That's there good. are other songs that are like, man, this song is tender, and I, I have an intuitive sense that this song is going to reach out to others who are mm -hmm. questioning hurting searching and it's going to draw people into something yeah. you know and it, i'm not yeah. I'm, i don't have to like give the treaties the orthodox treaties to like what yeah. right belief is so that if they do get drawn in i want to make sure we get it right they gotta they gotta know fully like <laughs> what i mean mm -hmm. i gotta be perceived correctly you know like because i think that's yeah. a fear within the family of faith is that we always need to be perceived correctly the Lord was yeah. not always perceived correctly. You know, just read the stories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. was, nah. So there is, depending on the song, there are others that I've tried to, like, out of that compulsion to be perceived correctly, I've tried to strong arm a song into being uh, too didactic, too um, trying to teach. And my wife is awesome, man. Michelle, will, she'll sit <laughs> oh, back yeah. and go like, hmm, I don't... <laughs> I don't think that's what that song wants to say. And I'll be like, yeah. ah, you're right, you know? And I'll take it yeah. back, you know, to like, okay, this song is tender. This song, it can just be about like this one simple emotion played out in this storyline, you know? Mm. And that's okay, you know? That's yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not compromising myself or the honor of the Lord by like letting this song be tender and just universally understood as a tender thing you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but those who've listened enough know that there are other songs that i feel like 
I'm not going to pussyfoot around this one, though. Like, this song right. actually wants to go there, and I'm going to let it go yeah. there, and it's equally a step of faith of, like... Yeah. It's the curse of being an intuitive person at times, as I know often how mm. something is going to be perceived. For sure. And so, For if sure. anything, I have to work against my cowardice of, like... Uh, mm. I could say that in a way that's a little more universal or tasteful, but mm. if it's mm. if it's grating against the spirit in me and the spirit's yeah. hairs are kind of standing up, like and him saying like, "Hey, man, no, like this is a time you speak," and I like, "All right, yeah. all right, I'll speak, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll say it, I guess," you know. Um, What's one of your songs that you would say carries that boldness that you're talking about? Yeah, um, well, I think any song where you're saying the name Jesus, first of all, <laughs> it, it puts it right Good in that point place. there, yeah. Right in that place, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know, man. There are songs like, you know, The Resistance or yeah. others where there's a certain, like, for lack of better terms, like a fire boldness that goes along with it, you know? Right. Or even when you perform those ones live, I'll like feel like sort of a fire in my throat, a fire in my bones. and. Yeah. I'll feel my eyes get kind of intense looking at the audience, you know, like there's mm-hmm. something, there's an intensity that wants to come out in this and I'm going to let it. Right. It was written to be such and then you almost feel the authority when you're performing it. I was born into a system constructed for failure. It's a sinking ship, me and mine by drunken sailors. Escape artists behind the bars of a jailer. And a spotic attack and they withhold the inhaler. If the shoe doesn't fit, what good is a tailor? In the midst of this crisis, please cancel the gala. Without a symphony, there's no need for a prelude to foreshadow what's to come. You mentioned um, Portland, which you've lived there for 10 years, I think you said, right? I'm at and, eight, um, eight now, yep. Eight, eight years. How would you say that living in Portland has influenced your music and influenced your your lyrics or your your creative process? Has has the city and the environment of living in that type of city how has that informed the art that you're making? Yeah. As as best as I can gauge, I I think it's been really healthy for me and my wife's journey, you know. Um it's always weird to talk about a place you're living in sort of an objective way, like pulling out yeah. and sort of placing a a personality or potentially yeah. even a stereotype on the place. Right. Um, so I'm hesitant to say what I'm going to say, but coming from the Midwest, which has its own stereotypes, you know, the backwards, heartland, fundamentalist, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say, you know, um, we saw enough people come out here before us and we saw, for lack of better terms, at times a coldness settle into their heart or their faith. A certain vibrancy, which I would call the first love, sort of mm-hmm. seemingly grow dim. Maybe we were wrong, but seemingly. And then so we came out here knowing like something was drawing us, but also with a caution of like, we don't want our love to grow cold, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's sort of coming out here that was maybe a simplistic way of viewing the place and then you live in a place and a place is dynamic and complex and there's people all over the spectrum and it's not as simple as that you know um but yet at the same time there is something i would say this is my personal opinion i I take it as that that there is a similar um personality spirituality perhaps principality to Vancouver, Canada, Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon, Cascadia, the Northwest. Mm -hmm. 
it's its own mm-hmm. place. It is its own place. Yeah. Those are different cities, but there's a there's a broad swath of a similarity of culture in those places that I've been to enough that I feel like I can say that. Um, a spirituality, which is um, a good thing. People are like spiritually minded out here, maybe as opposed to like a broad swath of like sometimes what I see the Northeast is sort of being beyond. Um, more agnostic, more um, in their heads, you know. West Coast mm-hmm. in general, there's a spirituality and openness to things of the spirit that makes it a little bit like a Wild West in some ways. What's mm-hmm. good for you is good for you. Um, let's mm-hmm. all be nice and just be spiritual, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> right. To, yeah, to put it really coarsely. Um, yeah. I think coming from the heartland it was good for me to learn to speak the language of the of, of the culture I'm embedded in, which by and large does not believe the same way I do at all. So in some ways moving out here, there was sort of a sink or swim. Like you can't sing to the choir out here in a way you can in the Midwest and just be forever invited to little small Christian liberal arts universities and make a living just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. going to churches and little universities that will applaud what you're saying and not that yeah. what you'd be saying would be weak, but that you could treat your art differently there. Here, like it was yeah. a sink or swim, learn the language. And it was yeah. like a few years in, actually when I was making Love and War, there was sort of this transformation of like, okay, I don't want to compromise what I know is true and living inside of me. But mm-hmm. yet there needs to be a way that it works itself out that is in touch with the place that I live in and speaks the language of this place. So, yeah, back to your question a few questions back. I think this place trained me in that discourse, which is really good. Um, Mm -hmm. Because then when you're dealing with your neighbor, as opposed to just sort of this um, faceless, if you want to just call it the culture of that place. We use that word culture, and it's just sort of this big conglomerate of people. But my neighbors, who do not believe the same as I do, and I'm deep friends with, and playing a song like Ulysses for them for the first time, and them tearing up and saying like... Mm man, that song like really, really, you're touching on something that we relate to. And honestly, they know that I'm a Christian and they'd say like, man, we don't, we're not Christians and we don't believe what you believe, but that song really speaks to something universal. I'm holding on to the hope that one day this could be made right Cause I've been shipwrecked Left for dead and I've seen the darkest signs. I meet so many people when I'm traveling and through the breath and the clay or whether I'm art, I'm out speaking or, or performing or doing whatever. I'm, I always meet people who have they're artists and they have families and they want to be they feel a sense of calling to their art as well. Um, obviously to their family, but what encouragement would you give to emerging artists that have families who are also trying to keep their art alive and and not letting that just go by the wayside in our daily responsibilities? That's a good question. That's a good Mm -hmm. question. In some ways, I'm not a prime candidate to answer that question from experience because I started my journey as an independent musician as a single 
college student. And quite literally, my vocation <laughs> as a musician has grown at the same rate that um, external responsibilities, getting married, having a kid, having three more kids, you know, like <laughs> my music has grown at that, like, if you want to call it that sustainable rate. Mm -hmm. So I never had that moment that I know a lot of aspiring musicians have where they're like, man, I'm working this job I hate. I want to get my first album out, you know, like, mm -hmm. how can I make a clean transition from one to the other? And mm -hmm. that's a good question. I, mm -hmm. I have some thoughts, but I never had to make that. I never had to make that real drastic transition. Perhaps mm -hmm. the moment I talked about earlier where I was like bivocational pastoring and making music, um, perhaps that was a crux moment for me that would be similar where you're putting your yeah. full weight, even financially. Cause really that's what we're talking about as well is mm -hmm. I feel like I'm called to make music, but how can this support my family? Yeah. And how can I, yeah. how can it support a family without just killing myself on the road, being gone from my family all the time or whoring myself out for just money anywhere, anyhow, <laughs> You know, like, how can I do this with integrity? And it's a really good question, yeah. you know? It's a really yeah. good question. Something I've said for years is, you know, that phrase, don't despise the day of small things. That, mm -hmm. oh, man, especially when you're beginning, if you're putting out your first release or you're entering into something with fear and trepidation, um, Sometimes I think we want the fast growth because one, the money's there. We don't have to worry about the money. The validation is there. This was successful. People are applauding it. And it feels like instant, like, um, yeah, affirmation. I made the right choice. Mom and dad don't need to worry. Like, I'm going to provide for my family. And those are, those are noble aspirations, to provide for your family and to have your work um, – gain traction those aren't wrong motivations but i think we, we need to allow a thing to be small in the beginning and if you want this thing to be sustainable like you need to go about it sustainably which means building mm -hmm. there will be a period where you have to be hungry and what i mean by that is like saying yes to opportunities even if they're not high paying even if they're not um being trumpeted on like publications and there's a time when you say yes if, if this is something you feel you're supposed to do you need to be a little bit hungry on the front end you know there's that mm -hmm. proverb to him who's hungry even what's bitter tastes sweet if right. if if you're entering into music um with all your heart but saying no to opportunities because you're holding out for like the big festival or mm -hmm. the label to sign you you might need to reassess like your motives even with the art itself. Are you using the art as a vehicle simply to like grow your name or influence? Is that is that what mm -hmm. it is or do you care about making the work, you know? Cuz if right. I think if one really cares about the work, you'll you'll be like, "Man, like stoked that someone anyone is asking you to come share that work." And yeah. my own experience is I I shared my work with fear and trepidation as a new believer up until that time i'd done nothing but east coast monotone hip-hop for like four or five years and all of a sudden 
I like believed in this God and was singing songs in falsetto, you know? And mm-hmm. so I was like yeah. scared to share it. And I shared it one funky little Christian cafe at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, mm-hmm. from my roommates prodding. And little opportunity after little opportunity came from that one decision to share my work. Mm. And I can honestly say, like, opportunity has all sprung forth from this strange network of saying yes to things. Um, I am at a point now where I have to choose what I say yes to. Um, That's in some ways unfortunate, but in some ways it goes with the territory. Like, Mm -hmm. it's grown to a point where I actually have to put things on the scale. What do I have time for? What do I not have time for? What do I sense purpose in? What do I not sense purpose in? And choose accordingly. But early on in the day of small things, there's a sense of like, I don't want to say this insultfully, but like beggars shouldn't be choosers. There's a sense in which like treat yourself as a beggar. That sounds horrible, but like treat yourself (laughs) as like, man, I'm entering into this as a beggar. Like no one, no artist should be entitled to have listenership. You know, people try to pay for listenership through publicity and through yada, 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 and labels will do that for you. But like, are people asking to hear or see what you're doing? That's mm-hmm. a good signifier. Is there mm-hmm. actual interest? Or are you trying mm-hmm. to like push your stuff out there, pay for your stuff to be heard, get it in the right places, get your foot in the door, quote unquote? Because if that's the way you're starting, that's the way you'll have to continue. Mm-hmm. And it's wow. not, that's actually not sustainable to like force mm-hmm. your foot in the door continually. Eventually, someone's going to slam the door in your face and say, like, you're not allowed yeah. in here. Let yourself be called up. Put yourself at the, at the poor place in the feast, like the Lord said. That's been a, so this right here, this has been the defining parable of my life. When you come into a feast, sit in the least noble place and let the master of the feast say, mm-hmm. what are you doing down there? Come up here. He says, so don't put yourself in the place of honor because you'll be demoted in front of everyone when the master of the feast comes in and says, hey, that's not your seat. Go back down there. Wow. And then you wow. go down there shamefully. You know, like yeah. put yourself in a lowly place yeah. and you will be called up if this is in mm-hmm. fact what you're meant to be doing. I guarantee yeah. you, if it's what you're meant to be doing, you'll be called up. If it's mm-hmm. not what you're meant to be doing, you'll know. Yeah. You'll know because it's like... The unction to make the work won't be there after you realize it's not connecting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, I've had those things in my life that I really want, that I'm manipulating, that I'm pushing, that I'm funding. I'm trying to make this thing happen. And I realize, like, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this. Like, it's frustrating to me yeah. and doesn't seem to be connecting in any worthwhile way out there. And I put it to rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, my skateboarding wow. career was essentially that, you know? As a, <laughs> But I've had other like other things in my adult life, you know. Yeah. But man, like, create the work, and when someone says, "Hey, come up here," like at that point, go up, you know. Yeah. And I guarantee so you, if you follow that route, when you're called up, you'll have the strength to carry the responsibility. Mm-hmm. If you put yourself in a place of authority, responsibility, influence, earning, and you were the one who got yourself there, you will buckle under the pressure, and you will be another. Casualty of the American entertainment system. Wow. Yep. Uh.
Dude, that was so good. <laughs> yeah. That's <was> so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That's really good. That's really good. I appreciate you going that deep into all that. That was amazing. Well, Josh, thanks so much for sharing with us on Makers and Mystics and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. I lost nameless things. My innocence flew away from me. Had a hide of face from my desire to embrace forbidden fire. Thanks so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is the conclusion of my conversation with Josh Garrels. I'll be back again in another couple of weeks with another episode for you. In the meantime, visit us at makersandmystics.com and check out some of the past episodes. You can also find links to my work there where I'll be speaking and performing. And of course, if you'd like to support the creation of these podcasts, you can do that there as well. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you soon.